Good morning, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily Devo. So glad to have you with us this morning. As you can see, Pastor Dave is in a new location. Dave, you want to tell us about where you are today? Yeah, I'm actually at the uh, Hi Rock family getaway. And so, you know, we bring a whole bunch of families up to uh, Camp Berea in Newfound Lake every year. Uh, and, you know, we have worship and teaching and all kinds of stuff. And then every afternoon, there's a big time for play. And so there's just a ton of families. Um, and it's, you know, it's a great experience. And so anyway, I'm up here. As a result, though, one thing at camp isn't is quiet. And so there's going to be a lot of noise. You hear a lot of kids scream at various points. Uh, most of those are happy screams. And so no cause for alarm. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be with you from here. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. So, all right. Well, I'm going to jump us into our scripture text this morning. Uh, we are in Exodus and we've uh, jumped forward a little bit in the narrative here. We're in chapter eight and we're going to read verses one uh, through 15. Let's read the text together. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs across your entire land. The Nile River will swarm with frogs. They will come up out of the river and into your palace, even into your bedroom and onto your bed. They will enter the houses of your officials and your people. They will even jump into your ovens and your kneading bowls. Frogs will jump on you, your people, and all your officials. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, raise the staff in your hand over all the rivers, canals, and ponds of Egypt and bring up frogs over all the land. So Aaron raised his hand over all the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the whole land. But the magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic. They too caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I, I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. You set the time, Moses replied. Tell me when you want me to pray for you and your officials and your people. Then you and your house will be rid of frogs and they will remain only in the Nile River. Do it tomorrow, Pharaoh said. All right, Moses replied. It will be as you have said. Then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will remain only in the Nile River. So Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh's palace and Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had inflicted on Pharaoh. And the Lord did just what Moses had predicted. The frogs in all the houses, the courtyards and the fields all died. The Egyptians piled them into great heaps and a terrible stench filled the land. But when Pharaoh saw that relief had come, he became stubborn. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, um, Dave, it is actually really fitting that you're at camp here because what this story brings to mind for me when I think of frogs, at least I'll say maybe not this story, but when I think of frogs. I think of camp. Uh, I grew up as a kid going to Pilgrim Pines, also in New Hampshire every summer, and they have frog races for the kids and there's a little pond. And so each summer, my cousins and I would go catch a little cute frog with a net very gently. And then all the kids would gather. We'd all have our, our caught frogs and we'd have these cute little frog races on the beach every summer. And now there's family camp every week. So these frogs probably raced in this. They probably had rivalries. They probably raced, you know, every week against each other. So I think of this idyllic, you know, New England summer, fun little kid time activity. 
That is not at all what this text has got going on with frogs, though. This is not that. So in case you read this text and think, oh, frogs, you know, cute. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they jump, they jump into the oven. I'm thinking escargot. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah no, I don't think that's it. Yeah, I think that, yeah, not that. So this is just gross. I mean, this is like a public health crisis. This is like frogs in beds, in cooking ware. Like they can't prepare food safely. And I mean, this is like, this is a huge problem. This is like in your bed everywhere. I mean, this is this is gross. This should conjure like a overwhelming sense of just invading every crevice of life. In fact, the Hebrew word here used is translated teeming, which we also see in the beginning of Genesis. And so this is hallmark kind of callback that this is the God of creation who can control the teeming wilds and can also let them loose if he so chooses. Uh, the other thing I'll say is this actually fairly similar to the first sign that we read uh, a little bit ago uh, with the snakes and that this is also a symbolic rebuttal. Uh, in fact, the uh, Haket, which is the Egyptian goddess of fertility, is, is depicted as having a frog as a head. And so there's some symbolic uh, things going on here. You know, we recall that Pharaoh tried to have all the firstborn or not even just the firstborn, all the male uh, infants of the Egyptians killed. And so, you know, here we've got this kind of play on fertility. Uh, God is, I mean, like the, God is leaving no stone unturned here in this power struggle to show both symbolically, practically. I mean, it, it's every way possible. God is saying, I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. I'm stronger than you. You, you know, I, all these things you pretend to be, that's what I really am. Um, I also just note just curiosity. It's so strange to me that Pharaoh has his magicians make more frogs. Why would you want more frogs? <laughs> What's going on there? I don't think we have an answer to that question. Maybe we could, you know, pontificate on that, but that's just, it doesn't make Pharaoh look particularly um, tactically brilliant. We'll just sit here. It's like, hang on, man. This is, the frogs are a problem. I don't, what, what are you doing here? I, I just note that is interesting. Um, well, also, one thing I want to note is, you know, just a couple of days ago, we read the passage where, Pharaoh doesn't recognize the authority of Yahweh. And what a turn here. Now he's begging for help from Yahweh. Now he recognizes that only the Lord can help him. And he asks Moses of all people to intercede on his behalf. We shouldn't, we shouldn't miss that. Like the, 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 the power shift is, is occurring here pretty rapidly. Um, and then I'll also note that Pharaoh, whether or not he in, entered into this agreement in good faith and then reneged or planned to you know, back out from the beginning, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but we know that it, it just shows us one more time that Pharaoh is a dishonorable person. He, he's not to be trusted. And that's going to be really important for us to pay attention to in the text we're getting into tomorrow. Uh, I just want to keep that in mind. Uh, but I also would just note that, you know, the text says God knows Pharaoh is going to do this. And so God knows this, has knowledge of Pharaoh's deception, yet God still keeps God's promise even though he knows Pharaoh is not going to keep his. And so it just goes to show, I mean, over and over again, we have this, it's not just a power struggle between, uh, between Pharaoh and God. It's also an opportunity for, the, for these two rival powers, completely unequal, but these two rival powers for us to see that God is good and trustworthy all the way through. I mean, even to a fault at times where, you know, we say, oh, you'd have every justification to not, you know, help Pharaoh out here. You know, he's going to lie. Uh, but God keeps his word all the same because that's just who God is. So 
anyways, uh, I just want to note that I guess maybe one last thing I'll say here is this feels like the classic example of that phrase. You know, if you want to test someone's character, give them power, because as soon as Pharaoh has power back, we see he reverts to his old self. Uh, and that just feels like it rings really true here. So that's what jumps out for me, Dave. I'm curious. Uh, what about these frogs uh, strikes your fancy? So, I, you know, it's interesting because we've seen now the snakes, frogs, and we talked uh, was it Friday, I think, about the fact that the, the headdress for a pharaoh would have had these snakes on it, right? That, that these were the symbols of the power. You talked about then that God, uh, the goddess, actually, uh, of fertility in, in, Egypt, in Egyptian sort of, I don't know, folklore or whatever, has this head of a frog. Uh, and, and so God is actually going and systematically humiliating their so-called gods and saying, oh, yeah, you think that that's powerful? You, you, one frog? <laughs> I got a billion of them. Um, and, and I think so. It's, it's quite deliberate. Uh, but then you ask the question, well, why then would God make, or uh, sorry, why would then, you know, would Pharaoh have his magicians make more frogs? They've already got too many frogs. And, you know, it strikes me as you were asking that question, I thought, you know, I actually feel like people do the same thing today. We talk about the power of the gospel to bring reconciliation. And I see then people in the world going, well, hold on, I, we can do all that without God. And we say, okay, well, let's talk about the, the, the power of the gospel to bring forgiveness. Oh, well, I, we can do that. Let's talk about the power of the gospel to heal communities. Oh, well, I, we can do that too. And, and I think there's this kind of desire to be able to, to make facsimiles of what God actually does, what the Holy Spirit can do uh, in, in an individual, in a community. There's, there's this want, desire to make a facsimile so that we can then justify going, yeah, 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 I don't need God. Or perhaps really this goes back to Genesis, I am like God, right? God's no better than me. And it justifies our lack of worship because that was really the thing that, that Pharaoh's calling for is, is you know, uh, let my people go so they can worship me. And this is Pharaoh's way of having of getting to resist worship. You know, you know I'm thinking as I, as I'm sitting out here, we're talking about the frogs, but is it the second plague? I think is the gnats or third third plague, third plague of the gnats. Anyway, the gnats and mosquitoes. I don't know if there's a mosquito one. I'm sure that's what. It's. But anyway, that that's the one we ought to be doing today. Anyway, the uh, but here's what I think is so interesting. Okay, frog uh, Pharaoh's magicians can make more frogs, and I do think that's an interesting thing. How is that possible? I don't know. But you know what they can't do take the frogs away. That's actually would be the helpful thing. Can you do that? No, no, they can't do that. The fine thing I find sort of funny and curious uh, is Moses, you know, they're, they're just, they're overrun by frogs. They're everywhere. And in, since frogs are sacred in that culture, they can't kill the frogs, right? So now they're everywhere and you, you can't kill them, right? I mean, this would be a problem. I remember, you know, driving through India and, and of course, you know, cows and all that are, are sacred. And so the cows will just kind of walk right out onto the highways and everybody stops and just waits because you're not allowed to, to bother the cows. And I think, you know, this, now you got these billions of frogs covering everything and yet you're not really actually allowed to exterminate them. And so he says, well, tell me when you want me to get rid of them. And I'm thinking uh, now. Right now, actually, Moses. Yeah, yesterday, if you could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But he said, do it tomorrow. I'm like, tomorrow? Okay, you're going to have one disgusting night of sleep ahead because the frogs are all over your beds. And so uh, anyway, I find that to be sort of a, a funny thing. To me, though, uh, perhaps maybe the most important point here, uh, aside from some of the ones you've already made, um, is, the, 
we see in verse 12, Moses cries out to the Lord uh, about the frogs that he inflicted on Pharaoh. And then verse 13, and the Lord did just what Moses had predicted. Frogs in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields all died. Well, that's kind of a, also a funny solution. He didn't actually make them go away. So now he's got these rotting frog corpses everywhere. But, but I think the, the important point I want people to see is Moses did not do this. Aaron did not do this. The Lord did the thing that Moses had said he would do. And, and the, the distinction there is, I think that there has been, in, in my experience, some people who uh, have, uh, claim to have some of, you know, um, of the, the spectacular gifts, right? Not the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, to be able to do miraculous things. And, and yet, in some cases, in fact, I always think this is one of the ways that I can discern the, the people who are genuinely being used by the Spirit and the people who are, are frauds, who are using the language of the Spirit, to you know, manipulate or get attention, uh, it's who has the power. If the power is in the prophet, they're a false prophet. If the power is in God, well, then they might be a real prophet. And and I think there's a lot of times when a lot of us us want the power to do things. We want God to listen to our prayers. In fact, sometimes our immature praying is, you know. I, hey God, I'm going to tell you what to do, and, and you got to do it. In that we're trying to have power rather than appeal to God's power because we don't have enough. And, and to me, that actually is, I think, one of the most important things here. That this isn't a power contest between Moses and Pharaoh, the way that Pharaoh thinks it is. Moses is not Pharaoh's problem. This is a contest between the pretensions of Pharaoh and the Lord. And, and I think that is um, kind of the, the real thing that, that is now being resolved here is the, the, the superiority, of, superiority of the real God over this Pharaoh who has presented himself as a God, all these other gods in, in their pantheon. Uh, all of those are now being humiliated one by one. So anyway, that's what I see in here. Well, well said. Well, on that note, Dave, I'm going to close this uh, with a word of prayer. Shall we sure. pray? Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, for all the ways we are tempted to create false images of you or to lift ourselves up as God, I ask that you would give us humility, that you would give us correction, and that you would give us the courage to receive your correction as what it is, which is grace given in love. May we walk in your ways today, and may we know that you are Lord of all. You are the only God worth following. You are the only God worth worshiping. All this we pray. In your holy name. Amen. Amen.